It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchy, 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 Mitchy. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Hi, yeah, Unleash the Fury. It's Colorado, Nebraska week. We welcome in Mitch Sherman with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what's up? Geared up for the Buffs and the Huskers. How you doing? <clears throat> yeah, I'm getting geared up. It's, uh, it's, you know, late start on the week with the holiday, but we uh, we kicked it into high gear, and and I'm ready to uh, to get moving towards Saturday. Your reaction to to Rick George, Colorado AD, open to future home and homes? Would you like to see this game every year? I'd like to see it more than we have since Nebraska and Colorado departed ways as conference rivals. You know, I think every year that remains to be seen if that can be a possibility. And, you know, I think Trev Alberts would probably go the same direction on that. I'd like to see Nebraska play a variety of non-conference opponents, a variety of Power 5 non-conference opponents, and I don't know that it's realistic to expect that they're going to play multiple Power 5 non-conference opponents every year. So when Oklahoma comes on the schedule and you have Tennessee down the road and some of the – former, soon-to-be former Pac-12 foes that have come on the schedule. Those are enjoyable games, and, you know, Colorado absolutely is one that's at the top for Nebraska on on the wish list. But it would be great to see Nebraska play Texas, um, you know, some SEC programs. So I don't know about every year. I think that would maybe take a little bit of the intrigue away from it if they were on the schedule every year, but – I'd like to see Nebraska and Colorado continue to do this in the non-conference, yes. Mitch, whenever you say Nebraska, Texas, uh, maybe get them on the schedule, maybe some other SEC schools, are you referring to Bama? (laughs) No, I wasn't specifically referring to Bama. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Or Georgia, (laughs) Florida. But the SEC is is the the one to the Big Ten's 1A, and – I think it makes sense for schools in those two leagues as we move forward in college football into a 12-team playoff era, into a landscape that's dominated by those two leagues, for for schools from those conferences to meet up in the non-conference. And you don't see a ton of it. Uh, you know, Texas and Ohio State have have gotten together. You know, you've seen um, you've seen LSU and Wisconsin. Um, you know, Penn State has has ventured into the SEC in recent years, I believe. But, yeah, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see some of that, and especially with Texas and OU moving into the SEC next year, they both make sense for Nebraska to be able to get on a future schedule. Now, Oklahoma, of course, we've done. Texas, uh, (laughs) that may be a tall order, but, you know, in this conversation sitting here right now, we can can dream about it. Whether it it could actually happen, I don't know. Mitch Sherman with us here from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, a lot of ground to cover with Nebraska, and turnovers are fixable. What are you asking Jeff Sims to do if you're the Nebraska offense Saturday? Avoid mistakes, hold on to the football, limit up opportunities for that, for that potent Colorado offense. And not just potent, but quick strike. You know, Nebraska needs to win the tempo game 
on Saturday. That's a, that's a key to victory. If, if this is going to be a game that's played in the 30s and 40s, then Colorado has a, has a massive advantage. I mean, you saw their offense. You see the explosiveness of Travis Hunter and, and that group of wide receivers. Um, Dylan Edwards, the freshman running back from Kansas, Jadur Sanders. They, there are pieces in that Colorado offense that Nebraska just can't match. So to try to go toe-to-toe like TCU tried to do, wanted to do, you know, I don't think TCU expected that Colorado was going to be as complete an offensive team as it was. So the thought of TCU playing its brand of football, which is to go fast, it was a no-brainer. For Nebraska, whatever, whatever tempo Nebraska plans to play, this season, you may slow it down a notch or two on Saturday in this game. You saw, in part because of the clock, the new clock rules and in part because of the tempo that Nebraska and Minnesota both wanted to play last Thursday, you saw possession is limited. Nebraska had the ball just three times in the first half. That's the kind of game that it's going to want to get into with Colorado. You limit the touches that that CU offense gets and it accomplishes two things. It, 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 it keeps points off the board, keeps the crowd out of the game, so three things. And you can start to work on getting that defense tired. That's an Achilles heel. That's a, that's a weakness. Apparently, what, what appears to be a weakness for this Colorado team is the overall defensive abilities. And I think Nebraska has an opportunity to be able to run the football and move the chains, get first downs, and take some time off the clock. Mitch, it's a bit of a, a chicken or the egg argument, but do you think there's going to be more pressure on Nebraska's offense to do what you laid out hold the ball for a while, get that time of possession up, keep Colorado's offense off the field. There's going to be more pressure on Nebraska's defense to try to slow down the, the high-powered Colorado offense. And I know both things are probably true, and it's chicken or the egg in terms of that argument, but which, which side of the ball do you think has more pressure on them on Saturday? After the way the first game went, I think the, the offense has more pressure. You know, They've got to hold up their end of the deal. And this is not, that's not the conversation that Matt Rule wants this team to be thinking about. It's not an offense versus defense thing in the locker room. They want to play complementary football. They want to be a team where the offense helps the defense and the defense helps the offense and the special teams plays into helping both facets of, of the game. But, you know, if you're asking me which which side of the ball has more pressure, I think it's the offense because they, they failed to hold up their end of the deal in in the opener, whereas the defense for the, for the vast majority of that game, I think they played above the level um, that people expected. And, and we went into it believing that the defense was quite a ways ahead of the offense. You know, I thought going into the opening game, and I'm, I'm, I may have said this to you, Schmidt, in, in Minnesota, that this is a team that can go as far as its defense takes them. And while that's true, it's also a team that can go as far as its off- offense allows them to go. And the offense can hold this team back. I, I think that was, that was evident. In the opener, four turnovers, you know, a failed uh, a failure to be able to score when you have the ball at the one yard line at the end of the first half. You know, those are those are pretty significant uh, setbacks for for a team that was already facing a lot of challenges in its first game of a regime against a program that was in year seven under PJ Flex. So um, that stuff right there is on the offense. You know, you can't spin that as a team thing and. Uh, you know, it's on the offense this week to fix a lot of that if it wants to have a shot to be able to walk out of Boulder at one and one. Mitch, what's your reaction to some of the the fan feedback you've gotten? Uh, you know, our listeners and callers and folks submitting in on the YouTube channel are 
they're, they're frustrated with how it went down and, oh, mm-hmm. no, here you go again with, with a close loss. I kind of separate it because it's game one for rule, but not necessarily for kids in the, in the locker room going through this again. But are you able to look at Minnesota and say, okay, you know, Coach Rule's laid out some of the things that, that can be fixed and there, there's a lot of season left? Or, man, do you think this is just a, a tough situation from the, uh, you know, from the fire to the frying pan or however that saying goes, I screwed that up completely. But you get what I'm saying. Now you're, you could be staring at 0-2 uh, going to Boulder. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, my initial reaction on on Thursday night and and into Friday, I think this was probably a result of some of the stuff that I was hearing right after the game and the next morning, which was a lot of frustration and, you know, even even anger and disappointment. It has been a long 20 years for Nebraska fans. You can't separate. You can't separate the one game from the from the past. When when Matt Rule got into this thing, you know he 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 took all of Nebraska and, and he's embraced the past. He's embraced the players that he inherited, and he's also inherited a lot of a lot of wounded psyches, both in, inside that locker room and among the fan base, which is a big part of what Nebraska football is. It's obviously the reason that Nebraska has a lot of the resources that it does, and and, and really it's the one thing that this program hasn't lost in the past uh, seven or eight years, or you could even say in the last 20 years. It's lost a lot as far as its winning ways and the annual uh, bowl games to Miami and Phoenix. I mean, those are, lo- those are long in the past, but, but it's maintained that, that steady level of, of fan support and loyalty. So with that, you know, you're going to have to take the good with the bad, and fans were really frustrated. I got that. I certainly you know, w- was feeling that in the aftermath of the game. And, and, you know, I, I think as a result took, you know, took the approach, uh, what, what you said there, Chris, that it's, it's game one. And you have to understand that, that, that they're, they're not coaching this thing um, like it's game 200 and that this, that this has been a struggle for a long time. And for them, it's game, and these coaches, it's game one. But as the days have gone on, you know, I think I've come to kind of, and how that I didn't understand what the, how the fans felt, uh, in the immediate aftermath, but I think I've kind of come to join them a little bit as I've gone through and watched this game again and looked at some of the opportunities that were left out there. It is really frustrating, and it's frustrating to, to for, from a Nebraska perspective um, to think about some of the mistakes that it made that, that I think were really avoidable, um, both on the sideline and on the field. You know, there were things that it's 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 difficult to come to grips uh, with. The fact that they have talked the way that they did, this is just one thing, but they had talked the way that they did all through the preseason and the offseason about the running back group, and then you had the guy out there in the most critical moment of the game who has fumbled the ball and was called on it in preseason camp, while the, the, the other one, Gabe Irvin, who had a solid game statistically without a lot of opportunities, was watching from the sideline. So, there's gonna, there's a lot to learn from, and uh, you know my my reaction, as I said, has has been mixed. Both you know understanding how the fans feel, but but also tempered with the fact that you have to recognize that this is game one for these coaches. Mitch, is it fair to say here with our last about sixty seconds before we say goodbye that no matter what happens on Saturday, Husker fans will overreact in one way, shape, or form? Yeah, yeah, for sure. If Nebraska goes to Colorado and wins, then it's which is entirely possible because. We've overreacted to week one, both, I think, 
well, all over the country. But in terms of these two games, these are two of the, two of the games that probably generated the biggest overreactions out there, uh, Nebraska at Minnesota and Colorado at TCU. They're, they're, these teams are, are probably going to be both up and down throughout the season. And uh, you saw the directions that they, that they are headed coming out of week one. That's no guarantee that either one of those will, teams will go in that direction in week two. So, um, yeah, it's going to generate more overreaction. That's just the nature of it. That's, that's football, and, and especially with these first-year coaches where you don't necessarily know what you have and if, if it looks different week to week. Mitch Sherman, read him with The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, fun to chat. We'll uh, see you out in Boulder. Thanks for the time today. All right, thanks, guys. There he is, Mitch Sherman. Good to spend time with him. And uh, get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. The spot to be Saturday in Boulder. Blur. We'll talk to Stacy, uh, Darian Hagan next hour.